Introduction of The Betrothed This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni Introduction Quote, History may truly be defined a mighty warfare against time, forasmuch as, taking prisoners by force, the years of time, already dead, she recalleth them to life, bringeth them under review, and rearrangeth them in battle array. But the illustrious champions, who in this arena reap a harvest of palms and laurels, do use to seize only upon the most pompous and brilliant of the spoils, embalming with their empurpled fluid the enterprises of princes and potentates, and such like qualified personages, and embroidering with the acute needle of genius those golden and silken threads which form an uninterrupted tapestry of famous actions. Whereas to my feebleness it is not permitted to rise to such arguments and perilous sublimities, ranging among the labyrinths of political factions and the warlike clang of brazen trumpets but only this, that having come to the knowledge of facts worthy of remembrance, even though they happened to persons of low condition and ordinary rank, I would address myself to the task of leaving their memory to posterity, by giving with all accuracy and genuineness the account, or rather relation, of them. Wherein will be seen, on a narrow theatre, grievous tragedies of horror, and scenes of great wickedness, interspersed with virtuous enterprises and angelic goodness, opposed unto satanic operations. And in good truth, seeing that this our country is beneath the rule of his Catholic majesty, our governor, who is that sun which doth never set, and that moreover, in addition, shineth with reflected light that moon which never waneth, the hero of Prosopia, who for the time present occupieth his place, and the most noble senators, those fixed stars, and the other admirable magistrates, who, like wandering planets, diffuse the light in all quarters, hereby forming a most glorious firmament. Other cause cannot be discovered, wherefore it should be transmuted into the dark shadows of infernal deeds, wickedness, and cruelty, such as by rash men are multiplied, except it come to pass by diabolical art and plottings, since human malice alone could never suffice to resist so great a force of heroes, who, with the eyes of Argus, and limbs of Briarius, deal with the public wealth. Wherefore, describing these events which took place in the times of my still verdant youth, notwithstanding the greater part of the persons here represented have disappeared from the stage of this world, and become tributaries to the fates, nevertheless, for worthy reasons, silence shall shroud their names that is the names of their families and the same shall be observed of places only indicating the territory general lighter nor let any one say that this will be an unperfectness in the story and deformity of this my unpolished production at least let not such a critic be a person greedy of philosophic repute for as to men versed in the stores of philosophy they will see clearly that there is nothing wanting to the substance of the said narrative. Forasmuch as, it being self-evident, and denied by none, that names are nothing but mere, the merest accidents. End quote. 
but when i shall have undergone the heroic fatigue of transcribing this history from this blotted and bescratched autograph and shall have brought it as they say to light will any one be found to endure the fatigue of reading it this doubtful reflection originating in the endeavour to decipher a great blot which came after accidents brought my copy to a standstill and made me reflect more seriously upon what ought to be done it is quite true said i to myself running my eye over the manuscript it is very true this hailstorm of little conceits and figures of speech does not continue so uninterruptedly through the work the good man after the fashion of his time was willing at first start to make a little show of his abilities but afterwards in the course of the narration sometimes for a long time together the style runs more naturally and smoothly yes but then how commonplace he is how dry how incorrect lombard idioms without end conversational terms introduced out of place grammatical rules neglected at will sentences awkwardly constructed and then sundry spanish elegances scattered here and there and then which is worse in tragic or pitiful portions of the story on every event which excites wonder or calls forth reflections in all such passages in short as require a little eloquence but discreet delicate and in good taste this author never fails to indulge in something of similar character with his exordium and then uniting with wonderful talent the most repugnant qualities he manages to be unpolished and affected at once in the same page the same period the same expression here are bombastic declamations made up by force of limping solecisms and throughout the whole that ambitious dullness which is the peculiar characteristic of the writers of his country at that time in very truth it is not a production fit to present to readers of to-day they are too well advised too much disgusted with extravagances of this kind a fortunate escape for me that this good thought has suggested itself at the beginning of this unhappy work i wash my hands of it but in the very act of shutting up the rejected manuscript to put it away again it seemed sad to me that so pretty a story should remain for ever unknown for as to the story itself it may appear differently to the reader but to me i say it appears very pretty why thought i should i not take the series of facts from this manuscript and recast the language no reasonable why not having presented itself this plan was embraced at once and now you have the origin of the present work set forth with an ingenuousness corresponding to the importance of the same some of these facts however certain customs described by our author seem to us so new so strange to say no worse that before putting faith in them we determined to question other authorities and we set ourselves the task of groping among the records of that age to certify ourselves whether the world in those days really so went this search dissipated all our doubts at every step we stumbled on similar events and even more wonderful and what appeared to us most decisive we have in the course of our reading met with some personages of whom having never seen any notice beyond the pages of our manuscript 
we had doubted whether they had ever enjoyed a real existence. In the course of the story, we cite a few of these testimonies to gain credence for facts, from which, on account of their strangeness, the reader might have been most tempted to withhold it. But having rejected as intolerable the diction of our author, of what kind is that which we have substituted? Here's the point. Whoever, without being asked, sets himself to revise another's work, must be prepared to render a strict account of his own, and, as it were, contracts an obligation to do so. This is a rule in fact and justice from which we do not pretend to exempt ourselves. So much so, that in order to conform to it with a good grace, we had proposed to give here a minute account of the manner of composition adopted by us and to this end we went seeking, all the time the work lasted, to divine all possible and contingent criticisms, with the intention of answering them by anticipation. Nor would the difficulty have lain here, since we must say this in honor of truth, not a single criticism occurred to us, but there came along with it a triumphant answer. I do not say such an answer as resolves questions, but reverses them. Often, too, putting two criticisms one over against the other, we made them beat each other down, or examining well their inward essence, and attentively comparing them, we succeeded in discovering and showing that, opposed as they were in appearance, they were nevertheless of one genus, springing forth one in another from not perceiving the facts and principles on which a judgment should be formed. To their great surprise, we put them both together, and together walked them off. Never was there an author who proved so undeniably that he had done well. But then, by the time we have developed all the said objections and replies, and put them in some order, alas, we shall have made a book. When we saw this, we put aside the thought for two reasons, which the reader will certainly find convincing. First, that to print a book to defend another, not to say the style of another, might appear ridiculous. Secondly, that of books, one at a time, is enough when there is no profit in advance. End of Introduction